every week. Well, good morning first. Every week about the last song that I play, probably before the offering, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I get nervous. I get butterflies in my stomach. I really do. It's true. So if I seem a little flustered when I come up, that's, that's generally the reason why I have to kind of get past that. But I'm thankful for the Lord's presence because in him is peace. I'm so thankful for that. And I thank you, Teresa, for those kind and beautiful words. I love each and every one of you. With my whole heart, I do. This morning, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, verse 36, starting at verse 36 through 39. And I'm calling this, Is Your Wineskin Ready? Lord, I ask your blessing. I ask your anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name. And he spoke this parable unto them. No man puts a piece of a new garment on an old. If otherwise, then both the new will make a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. And no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles will perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. And no man having drunk old wine straightway desires new, for he says the old is better. I want to read this in the New Revised Standard Version. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it into an old garment. Otherwise, the new garment will be torn and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new wine, but says the old is better. I've read this passage as I'm sure you have many times, but the meaning was always a bit vague to me. And I certainly didn't get the physical meaning of it because as you know, I sew and many times I've taken a piece of new fabric and mended an old garment with it. Stitched up knees of jeans or inserted a piece to a waistband to make it bigger or whatever. And those pieces have held very well. So I wasn't quite sure what I was missing here. So when the Lord laid this on my heart Monday morning, I told Terry, usually it's Wednesday or Thursday that the Lord gives me a message, but bright and early Monday morning, 
this, this just really came to my heart. And so I began to research it and figure out what am I missing here? Why have I missed the point on this? And what is it really saying to us? I read that nobody in their right mind would tear up a brand new garment, cut a hole in it, take that piece out of it and put it into an old threadbare garment because it would render the new garment damaged and unwearable with a hole in it. And the patch wouldn't match the fabric or the content even of the thread in the old garment. So the application here is not about saving the old garment at all. It's about the new garment. It's about not damaging something new and rendering it useless in order to try to save something old and worn out. So of course we can agree that nobody would do that to a brand new garment. So if that's the spiritual application to this passage, what is, if, excuse me, if that's the physical application, what is the spiritual application? We see in this scripture that John's disciples had just come to Jesus, in essence asking him, how do we patch up our old ways of Judaism, our old regulations and laws and rituals that we know so well with the content and the information we're getting about the new covenant. Hmm. The old is all they could understand. They old, the old is what they knew so well, but this new was so drastically different, they couldn't patch the two together. So Jesus said no. You would never cut a hole in a brand new garment to fix up something old. And they understood this parable because they wore garments until they were old and then they got a new one and they didn't try to patch the old by tearing up the new. And they understood that Jesus was saying that the gospel of Christ cannot be patched onto the rules and regulations of the old covenant. They couldn't be combined and made into one. For instance, the disciples said to them, said to Jesus, why do, actually the, not his core disciples that were there, but this other group, disciples of John actually, asked Jesus, why do they have to fast? according to the law and the regulation under the law, and yet these Jesus disciples aren't fasting at all. And what did Jesus say to them? Look in verse 33 through 35. Would you make the wedding guests of the bride and groom fast during the wedding feast while the bride and groom are present with you? No, this would upset them. Instead, they partake of the feast because they are together and present with the wedding party. But the day will come 
Thank goodness for that air. The day will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast. So again, the disciples understood that they cannot mix the old with the better new covenant. Now, Jesus went on in verse 37, and I thought I understood this fairly well, too, till I really got into it. The scholars say that glass hadn't been invented at this time, and that the bottles spoken of, of course, were actually goat skins, and that they were tightly stitched together, and they were treated with some sort of oil or fat on the outside to make them watertight. So here's the most important part. Once the wine or other liquid, whatever had been in the bag, had been used up, if the bags were not reconditioned, refreshed, refilled and retreated with the oil on the outside, they would become dry and brittle and cracked, and the liquid would seep out and they would lose both the bag and the wine. But Jesus was telling us here, even though they were once filled, once usable, when you use up your storehouse that's in the bag, if you don't maintain the container properly, mm, Adding the new wine, the fermentation process of adding the new wine would cause the bag to expand and split the seams and there would be no more treatment on the outside of the seams to keep it inside the bag and it would be lost. It's not just a one-time fix. It's a constant renewing reconditioning, refreshing of the heart, and a refilling of the Holy Spirit of God. Wine always represents the Holy Spirit, of course. We've been hearing from the Lord that he's going to do a new thing, about a new glory coming about a new move of the Holy Spirit that's going to cause people to flock to the, the cross of Christ. I'm gonna ask you a question this morning. Believe me, I'm asking my own self. Is your bottle reconditioned? Is it refreshed? Is it cleaned and oiled on the outside and ready to hold the new wine on the inside? Or could we be holding on to a shriveled up old bottle that isn't useful anymore, that's cracked and dry, and that would let the new wine of the Holy Spirit leak out? Jesus said that if you put the new wine in a new or reconditioned bottle, you save both the wine and the bottle. Both are preserved. 
But he went on to say that nobody that drinks the new wine or that drinks the old wine would then immediately say, oh, I want the new wine. Think about that. We do tend to cling to the old and hold on to the familiar. But when we stay at the feet of Jesus, that's where our bottles get reconditioned and refreshed and renewed and refilled at his feet. No one having drunk the familiar, smelled the familiar, would say, oh, I don't want that anymore. I want this new. But there's life and power in the new. And that's what Jesus was teaching here. The new wine, the new spirit, a new thing. What does this look like for the church? That's my question. I don't know the answers, but I do know what the Bible says about having church. I know that Jesus brought judgment to the house of God and he turned over the money changers and the tables in the, in the temple that people were abusing the privilege of coming to the house of God and making it into a den of thieves, as he called it. They had corrupted the Father's house of prayer. I do know that Jesus told us that we would do greater works than these because he goes to the Father when he gave the Holy Spirit. I do not believe that this means that we're going to perform greater miracles on this earth than Jesus Christ himself did. What I believe this means is that we will be used of God in a greater way because we'll be used in a greater way because we have influence over a greater number of people and our light shines broadly, as the Bible says. I believe that's what it means for the church. I do know that one disciple healed people simply when they stepped into his shadow. One sent handkerchiefs that he had anointed and carried on his body. He sent them to heal the sick. Another laid down on top of a dead person, and he was brought back to life. I do know that when a baby preacher, brand new baby preacher named Peter, had just been saved himself a very short time, preached his very first sermon, 3,000 souls came to Christ. Yeah, the old may taste better and more familiar, but the life and the power is in the new wine. Don't you want to see that? Yes. I do. I do. In Isaiah 41, verses 17 and 18, God said, My people were so poor and thirsty for lack of water that their tongues wouldn't even work. They couldn't even talk because they were so dry and thirsty. They hadn't reconditioned their bottles. But God said in the midst of this awful drought, 
I will open up rivers in high places and the water will run down from the mountains into the valleys and feed the parched and dry land and quench the thirst of my people. He said, I will plant the forests full of majestic cedar trees like he had in Lebanon. In ancient times, the cedar wood was especially desirable for its aromatic qualities and as well as its resistance to decay and bugs. Lebanon was known for the magnificent cedars that grew there and they were a major source of wealth because of the export of cedar wood. Seventy times in scripture we read that God planted the cedars and he watered them from the very roots of them deep in the ground. He says he would cause the pools of water to come up and the cedar trees would pull it up throughout its trunk and branches and leaves and water the trees. The cedar wood and the sap were used for medicinal purposes. For the cleansing of leprosy by the priests. And the wood was used to construct David's magnificent palace and Solomon used it to build the temple of the Lord. And God said, I will do all this so that they will see and know that I, the Lord, has done this. And finally in Isaiah 43, verse 19, God said, behold, I will do a new thing. Don't look back to the old things. Don't use shriveled up wineskins. But now the new thing will spring forth. And again he says, I will make rivers. I will make a way in the wilderness where there's nothing and rivers in the desert to quench the thirst of my people. And I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Audrey and Don, if you would come. We're gonna sing the song that I wrote a month or so ago. Behold, I do a new thing. And I want you to learn it and sing it with me, with us. Because I think it has significance, spiritual significance. And Father, we just come this morning to sit at your feet and while we do, Lord, I ask that you work on our wineskins. Lord, that you help us to clean out the insides. Oh, God, that the dross and the dregs and the floaties will all come out, Lord, in the purging by your spirit. And oh, God, apply the oil of anointing to the seams on the outside. Lord, that they are conditioned and that they will seal the seams and that the new wine cannot leak out and that we lose the wine and then we lose the bottle too. Oh, Jesus, by your power, Lord, we ask it in your name that you do a new thing.
Thank you, Jesus. I hope this makes sense to you this morning. I hope it helps us to see what the Lord was talking about in this passage and how our wine bottles must be refreshed and reconditioned by the Holy Spirit so that when the new thing comes, we'll be ready. We'll be in the right condition, in the right place to hold the new wine. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. 